Hello, my name is Deacon Brian. Welcome to the Shepherd of the Hills Sermons Podcast. Every week we share our Sunday morning sermons with you to keep these important conversations going. We hope you not only enjoy hearing our words of God's love for you, but will also feel compelled to share these words with everyone who needs to hear this message. As always, we encourage you to keep the conversation going at home, at work, and everywhere you go. On Christmas Eve, we heard the story of the birth of Jesus the Christ, and Pastor Scott compared the noisiness of our world to the silent night of the birth story. So sit back, relax, and let us dive into this week's sermon. Our gospel for Christmas Eve comes from the book of Luke, beginning in the second chapter. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in a manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds then returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just uh, before I... get completely started. I just want to make sure and thank Kurt Cousins for an early Christmas present this year. So thank you. Thank you very much. If any of you feel like leaving, now is the time. (laughs) Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, stir up your holy power this day and come. Send your spirit into our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our ears, that we might hear a word for us tonight anew, and that we too might then live out that which we believe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas. Now, I know it's Christmas Eve, and uh, many of you are here tonight hoping for a break from all of the noise and clutter of life, maybe looking for a little silent night, holy night, where all is calm and all is bright, but I can tell you after spending just a few minutes with the kids, that's not going to happen. They're fueled by Christmas candy and visions of Star Wars lightsabers dancing in their heads. 
So it's not going to be particularly quiet in here in the first place. And frankly, on Christmas Eve, that's probably how it should be. Uh, if you are distracted by the sound of a child, you are distracted rightly on Christmas Eve, as we all should be distracted by the birth of a child in a manger. And in fact, uh, there is a huge part of me that would simply like to ignore everything that is happening in the world and just stop for a minute and take a breath and breathe and just put everything that's happening sort of aside. Unfortunately, the Christmas story doesn't actually let us do that. I wish it did. But the Christmas story doesn't actually take place in a vacuum. And in fact, the truth of the matter is the Christmas story isn't really a story for kids at all. It's mostly a story for us adults. Us adults who find that maybe the world is not exactly as we thought it was either going to be or is supposed to be. In fact, the Christmas story is one that takes place right in the middle of it all, sort of like the eye of a hurricane, where just for a brief second, all is calm and all is bright. And so I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed, and I watch way too much political television, and I listen to way too much NPR, and I listen to way too much and read far too much news on the internet, but maybe you've noticed this and maybe you haven't. I think the world is on fire. <laughs> In one of the longest-running, most prosperous and peaceful times in history with no significant discernible enemy we can all agree on, it seems to me that we've all decided instead to fight each other. Maybe you've noticed, maybe you've noticed that the world is on fire and the emotional fallout is everywhere. Houses are divided. Maybe you've already been there tonight. Maybe you've already been sitting around with grandpa who is a little bit too conservative and the kid that's home from college who's probably a little bit too liberal and suddenly the turkey doesn't taste so good anymore across the table. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you with me? Are you hearing me? Have you been at this, this dinner? For some reason, the world's flame right now blooms, blue, burns blue and burns red and the roar of the fire is loud and all that seems to make the news these days are shouts or tweets. And burns, defined as the obliteration of another person in their arguments, find their way into red raging and blue humiliated faces on Facebook. And since no one has yet come up with a post or a tweet that really could be considered nuclear, we can't really deny or annihilate one another physically. So it seems to me the re rhetoric just keeps getting ratcheted up until all pots finally boil over into a flaming mess of hatred and vitriol. And no one wins. Instead, we all lose. Have you noticed? Frankly, if you're anything like me, this all really hurts. My soul is worn out, my heart aches, and my spirit is spent. Is this the only way that we can treat one another? In our abundance, have we become so hardened to one another that humility and confession are simply dead? Is power only to be exercised to create more division? And is this the world that God envisioned when he looked out after days of tender creation and de declared it all to be very, very good? If you're like me, it feels more like we deserve a flood that wipes us all out rather than any gift of love or light or hope. I know for a fact, because I have done it too, God's children are violent, and we've all started far too many fires. Now, <clears throat> don't get me wrong, 
I would love to exercise all of my privilege and simply ignore all of this and cuddle up in the corner and read a good book, but would any story about truth and love and hope from God be any good at all if it was simply to just ignore the reality in which we find ourselves? And the truth is, it's almost always been this way. When the flaming world rages, Emperor Augustus exercises all his might with an executive Twitter storm, count them all, he declares, taxes for the royal coffers, young men for the military, crops and wine and olive branches for the rich, raised by the poor, taken by those who already have too much. There's great splendor and trumpets and a Twitterverse filled with the violent peace of Rome as Emperor Augustus demands that all to, are to be counted. All go to their hometowns to be registered. Mary, who was pregnant with her first child, and Joseph, two nobodies from nowhere. I mean, nobodies. They've got like zero followers on Twitter and Facebook. Zero. Mary was still, Mary was still updating her MySpace account. I mean, <laughs> nobody. And when they went, nobody noticed. Jesus' family were the kind of people that you didn't notice. They were just simply the people that were moving in the background. Do you know what that feels like? To just be the people moving in the background? When they finally arrive in their hometown of really, who cares, podunk, nowhere, Bethlehem, on the wrong side of the tracks, their firstborn child is born. Not in a house, not in a hospital, not in a hotel, but in a barn. And Mary had only what she could carry after the long walk, and so she wrapped her baby in leftover fabric and laid him in a manger. No trumpet, no tweets, no selfie, no Facebook post. Love arrives as it always does, slipping into the back door quietly to the poor and the depressed and the tired and the worn out and the lonely. Do you know what that's like? Now, funny how you'd think that God, being on top and all, would want to enter the world at the head of the table, but instead God enters at the lowliest place possible. It turns out humility is God's most precious virtue. And if you're like me and you're sort of looking for a way out, for those with eyes to see and ears to hear, have you noticed that babies always pull us outside of ourselves? No one cannot turn their head when a baby cries. You can't do it. And when a child screams, you can't help but look. Everyone turns to see what's going on. Because children always remind us that our today is their tomorrow. Our words and our actions and Facebook posts all shape the world into which this child will become the heir. Suddenly, our life takes on the meaning of creating a world that is better for them because they are more precious even than we are unto ourselves. A child reminds us that love is way more important than power or prestige or fame. A child turns our inward selfish gaze outward, which is exactly what it means to be freed from our selfish state. Something remarkable happens in Bethlehem. A child is born. God's love enters into the world, 
and rescues us from what is in reality our greatest enemy, ourselves. So there's a good reason why it will feel good to come and worship at the birth of this child. There's a good reason why it will feel good to sit quietly and sing the silent night lullaby to this child. And it's not nostalgia. For many of us will remember in that moment that their parents and grandparents are no longer here singing with us. It's not comfort food like mac and cheese in the winter because this child was born to die. And far too many children have died. Some on the battlefield, some in refugee camps, some in utero, and some have not even been conceived at all. It will feel good because it is tender and vulnerable, like we all know we actually are. It will feel good because it is honest and lights up our darkness as we reflect on the hidden places in our hearts that we really don't want anyone else to see. It will feel good because it will remind us of the truth that we are not enemies, red or blue, but we are all like the Christ child, human and vulnerable and fragile. It will feel good because we, like the Christ child born in the manger, need love, need comfort, need forgiveness, need parents and family and friends and neighbors to survive and grow. It will feel good because there is a whole other reality into which God is calling us to live, where red and blue are simply beautiful colors and the most important way to live is in service to everyone. So in the few moments of this silent night, you might actually notice that there is more going on in this world that meets the eye. Your life matters just as it is. Your heart matters Your very being in the world matters. The world of politics and division are real, but there is a deeper reality into which all of those divisions are actually lies. It will feel good because somewhere deep inside of you, you all already know this and are so hoping that that reality is true. So sing with all your tender heart and with all your soul. Let those vulnerable places within you find a resting place. The child is gentle and mild. God's love often exposes the truth which can be painful, but it is also the balm that heals the sin-sick soul. Tears of love and joy and sadness are all appropriate here on the edge of the manger. Tears of confession and forgiveness are the most real thing in the world. And if your head didn't hear that baby, then you something is wrong with you. <laughs> Got it right. (laughs) On Christmas, a silent night and a holy night, hope and love and forgiveness are quiet realities that sneak in while you aren't looking. The child is born not in a palace, not in a place of power, not in a royal hall of honor with trumpets, but in the poor places of your heart and in the poor places of this world, among the sheep and the goats and the wild things. The announcement of Jesus' birth is not made to pretty people or the powerful people, but to the criminals, the immigrants, the liars, the desperate, the hungry, the depressed, and the poor. And the shepherds are all of these things and less. And if you really know the truth about it, the shepherds 
are you. So sing like the shepherd that you are, for in this brief moment, all is calm and all is bright. And the flame of love burns deeply bright within you. Merry Christmas. Amen. Thanks for stopping by and listening to the Shepherd of the Hills Sermons podcast. For more information about Shepherd of the Hills, please check out sothchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Feel free to share this sermon and be sure to follow us on social media and wherever you find your podcast. Go in peace, serve the Lord.